The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to talk about Austin FC's big Sunday night win versus the LA Galaxy, and then we'll also preview the two matches this week against Colorado Rapids and Real Salt Lake. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and I am very excited to talk about the Galaxy match this week. I think for once, we had, we had this whole run, right, of weeks where we're like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. You know, how are we going <laughs> to talk about this again? How are we going to find a new spin on disaster? So I'm excited about it, but I'm also interested, um, I guess, in our game experiences. I'll just start. So I had the, like, fancy pants Texas Mutual seats in, like, the fifth row and got to see, like, the players walk out and stuff, which was... So is this the only time this year that you've gotten to sit there? It's the second time I've sat there. Okay. I got, they just like wrote, rotated among employees who are interested yeah. in going. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. We, so we'll go. So that's the first time I've been in those seats. I've been in that section once, but it was in somebody else's seat. So it's the first time I've got to use, got to use ours. But I mean, it was a really, it was cool. It was a good experience. The oddest thing about being there is you're right across from the opposing fans and, uh, you know, LA Galaxy brought a whole bunch of people, right? Yeah. And, uh, whole bunch of drums and sometimes it's because they're right across from you and uh Lamerga and stuff is coming kind of from the side it's a little bit it's distracting it was it was like throwing my oh, wife off completely because there were drums yeah. all over the place yeah where we sit like we're closer to the opposing fans than we are to the morga and so it's just like the crossfire of drums playing different rhythms all night is like uh a little bit disorienting at times <laughs> But I mean, Murga was pretty pretty awesome overall. I think. Oh and, yeah. Um, and I think you had a family in town, and you had maybe a little bit of a unique fan experience at the match. Yeah, but- my parents my parents joined again. This is their third game that they've come to, and um, in in the second half. So to backtrack a bit, we were at Hop Squad before the game, and my parents had met some of the some of the folks in the soccer scene here. And they had met Katie Ensign before. And anybody who knows Katie Ensign knows that um, she <laughs> she tries to like I, I'm trying to not use negative words because it's not a negative thing. But like she like tries to manipulate people to get more into Austin FC and into the supporters culture. And she was like talking to my mom and like put like planted that in her in her head that we should go down to the supporters section during the game. And so my mom, who's like gung ho to do stuff like that, she's like always always looking for like where the action is and like where unique experiences are. And so I was like, yeah, you should definitely go. Depending on what the game looks like, I might go or I might not. And so the game was still nil-nil at halftime. And so my mom just went down there by herself. But uh, Katie and Roma were down there and they found her as she went into the section and took care of her and made sure she had a spot and were showing her like – Oh, whenever the band does this, we do this little movement and this is the words to this song. And so Katie and Roma took took very good care of my mother, which I, I very much appreciate. But she had a blast. She got to be down in the supporter section when both goals were scored and they were both scored on the end of the supporter section. And so, yeah, she she had a blast down there. And as I think everyone did, but it was it was pretty cool to to get to um, to have her there and, and to, to let her experience that on such a such a fun night so she committed now for future matches to be 
uh, support in the supporter section, or was that just a one-time experiment? No, I kind of, well, she didn't like how loud it was and her, she said her earplugs kept falling out, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she did it, like was there during a half of every game she's at going forward. That's awesome. Yeah. Katie winning fans and friends, like <laughs> one, one fan at a time. Um, Let's, uh, let's get into shirt talk a little bit. We've got a couple, well, as of recording a couple days left, but you know, time works differently in the podcast world, so we are almost complete with shirt order pre-sales. Yeah, that's right. So we extended our pre-sale until Wednesday, uh, Wednesday the 29th, September 29th. And so if you want a Moon Tower soccer shirt, get your order in before Wednesday. We're not going to print very many of these, so if you want one, order it now. And any shirt ordered between now and and Wednesday, we're actually going to be donating $5 to Creative Action, which is uh, a, an organization here in town that uh, their their aim is essentially to, to better people's lives through creative processes. And, and so Joel Corral, who designed our logo, did a, pro, uh, a project with them through Austin FC and, and was doing kind of like an art class for some kids there. And so we thought it was it was a good fit because Joel designed our logo. Joel has worked with uh, with Creative Action, so we're going to give five dollars to Creative Action for every order that comes in until our pre order is done. That's great. Well, let's get into the two nil win over the LA Galaxy for Austin. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, goals were by Musa Gite, his first goal in an Austin FC jersey, and then Oren McKenzie Gaines the second Ra- Round Rock native. His first, uh, wait, was this his MLS debut? No, second game. He played a few. Wait, no. This is yeah, his MLS played... debut, right? Because didn't, didn't he only play against Tigres? I feel like he played, I don't know. I'm I'm losing my mind. Anyway, he this is the most minutes he's played. He played 20 minutes at the end of the game and got the uh, the second goal, which was a beauty. And as of right now, is winning the MLS uh, account's Twitter vote for MLS goal of the week. Maybe do in part to the supporters groups uh, kind of bombing that poll and and juicing the stats a little, but it was yeah, tw- a very Twitter, good goal. Twitter poll ballot stuffing is always encouraged, uh, and I think it's something we've gotten pretty good at. Oh, yeah. Uh, going back to preseason with some of the stuff with the... Remember when the Dallas guy, uh, I think we all voted... Oh, he for... Pay, in, he uh, his, yeah. And Kosi Burgess was going to dye his hair, and <laughs> we yeah. took over that one, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... Awesome game. Uh, the The week leading up to this game was was kind of interesting, wasn't it, Jeremiah? There was, it felt like the, the team was on a bit of a, the offense, like kind of a charm offensive with the players and with Wolf, don't you think? Yeah, that way all the way around. I really got the uh, stick with us. You know, we know things are bad. I mean, and you know, we just come off a bad outing, but you know, we're we're here for you and. Yeah, there was there was that, you know, all the way to um, they even announced like free food in the premium terrace at the Q2 for uh, Saturday night to try to get some people to show up. So we saw a lot of that, you know, this whole wolf in, wolf out, wolf uh, thing after the last game, particularly. And so I think it was the next day, like the uh, Josh Wolf giving an impassioned motivational speech at training came out uh, that on the Austin FC Twitter account. Yeah, one of those like promo videos they've been putting out during the week of games. And then after that, like Brad Stuver made me like literally cry uh, when <laughs> that 
and maybe I don't know if it was all Brad. I'm assuming he got a little bit of help from it, but that was what Wednesday. I think Wednesday when yeah, Brad's letter to to Austin came out, which was yeah, absolutely beautiful. You wouldn't expect anything less from from King Bradley. It was it was so good, and it, it reminded me a little bit back to the uh, the great Twitter wars of 2017 or whatever. Remember the Columbus Crew fans made that awful like Dear Austin video. <laughs> About how, like, Austin, you can have a team, but it shouldn't be this way. So I thought it was beautiful that Brad Stuver, the opening line was Dear Austin in that letter. And it was a much more impressive and meaningful letter than than what we got. And, you know, I guess that's sort of all the things he said came to light out of it. And if you haven't read it, we'll put it in the show notes. I mean, I highly encourage you to read it. It was it was spectacular. And what you would expect out of Brad Stuver. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, then we had a little McConaughey. Um, started popping up again after he sort of showed up at the first game and then disappeared for a while. We saw, we saw him on social media and he's actually doing a uh, on Tuesday night doing another meet the supporters uh, call for. Oh, people is who he? Have I t- hadn't heard about yep. that yet. If you have tickets in the supporters section, you've got an invite to uh, to sit in on a Matthew McConaughey call. So I don't know if he, I don't know if he will be wearing a shirt or not. Um, <laughs> but my my wife said that was like what. Uh, was going to make her decide whether she wanted to watch it with me or not. Was was if he did that again? But yeah, he's going to be he's going to be on tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see like what he talks about, what kind of questions he gets. I so I think we have time to get into this. We don't have a ton to talk about today, but the Austin FC accounts were kind of uh, posting McConaughey stuff and talking about Minister of Culture, blah 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 blah. And some people were kind of took offense to that because he hasn't been at any of the games since that first one. And I think that's that's kind of a fair shout from from the fans. Like, if you want to call him the minister of culture, fair enough. But he should be a part of the culture if he's going to do that. If if they're going to like fly that title out over and over, like I don't know. I, I don't think anybody was was upset about it. That upset about it until they start publicizing him as the minister of culture. And it's like, okay, well. We're gonna have a minister of culture. Maybe it should be like Rigo Rodriguez or something. Right. Or the I saw the one tweet that had Tiny Sebastian is the minister. Oh like, yeah, there you go. he's the perfect minister of culture. Like he's he is the face of Austin FC now. When we were at the game, that's my wife. That's the first game she had been to, and she wanted to see Tiny Sebastian and she wanted to see Fatima, and then she like didn't care about <laughs> almost anything else. So I'm glad that we glad that we got that going. But yeah, I mean there was I think that's fair criticism you know i think people expected a little bit more um involvement uh it, i also think it's fair for him not to be at every game he's he's a busy man he's probably right. working and like doing or just doing whatever he wants he can but he he's generally a busy man i imagine actors and and people in the film industry are probably trying to make up on some work that they lost over the last couple of years from from the pandemic so that's fine. I'm not mad at him for not being there, but if the club is going to push him being the minister of culture while he's not being there, I think that is something that that is uh, it's warranted if if fans want to be upset about that for sure. Yeah, I I agree with that. And then the other on the Josh Wolf front, the other thing we saw is he did a, he did a two parter with Chris Bills, which I think was the first time he'd like sat down with Chris Bills for a long form interview. Uh, since since uh, Chris was saying it was the first time he had done it since 2019 when Wolf was hired. Oh, when he so was Chris hired. got gotcha. to sit down with him like that week when he was hired. And that's the last time Chris Bills has gotten to do it, mainly because of COVID. I mean, it made stuff like that more complicated. But uh, yeah, Chris got to go sit down with him in person and just do kind of a long form interview. And Chris has written a couple of uh, a couple of stories out of that interview and they're excellent. So I I feel like we don't do this enough, but 
go subscribe to the striker texas <laughs> like this is the best you're you're clearly an austin fc fan if you're listening to this the striker texas is putting out the best austin fc content so subscribe let, let chris keep doing this as his job because he's very good at it and uh you should you should support people who are doing the kind of work that chris is doing because yeah the these two two uh, articles two stories that have come out from this interview are are reason enough to do it so yeah yeah I thought they were i thought they were <laughs> exactly and you get phil too and and, and yeah. writing and writing all the phil stuff um yeah i thought they were good pieces and we, we don't probably have the time or the need to dig into them too much um, but I thought the the first one was really kind of about you know the season itself, and I thought showed some self reflection and growth in Josh that I appreciated um, seeing. And the second one, um, I think, was largely sort of focused on the on the, on the injuries and talked a lot about Danny Houston and whether or not he had a future um, in Austin beyond this year. Which Josh Wolf at least seems to say that he will, which I I was a little bit surprised by. Yeah, I mean it's. I was surprised by it, but like I'm not upset about it because just what we've seen from Gita over the last couple of games, like Danny Houston isn't going to be a starter anymore. <laughs> right. like, but I don't mind having a guy like that on the bench. He's maybe making a little more than I would want someone on the bench to be making, but he's already here. He's learning the system. If Wolf is to be believed, he's still kind of a part of the locker room culture and is talking to the guys. So yeah, if he's if he comes back, sure. It, I wouldn't want him to come back to be the only option and the main option to be striker. But if he sticks around, I'm not going to, I'm not going to riot about it. Um, yeah, because we have, we have a Musa now. Right. And yeah, we are definitely going to talk a lot about that. Yeah. I mean, salary wise, it's not my money so, and it's not really costing us. <laughs> it is, there's no opportunities that we're losing out on, I think, because we're paying. I mean, who's in what we are. At this there point, are next. like if, if we, let's say Aaron Schoenfeld leaves, Aaron Schoenfeld's not on much money. If we are not paying Danny Hooson all the money you're paying him, we could pay someone else more money to fill this other roster spot. So there is some opportunity costs there, but I mean, it's, it's not a ton. There's, we're going to, we're going to have some spots to fill and some rotation in it. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he stayed. Um, I think I might still prefer he not stay, but I'm not <laughs> going to be angry if he does that's that's fair okay so lineup wise you know we knew we were going to be out um ring we were out beasler again so i i thought we got the best 11 we could have you know on the field there um is there any other pregame stuff you want to talk about before we get into the game itself um uh do we want to mention the tifo real quick we should oh speaking of yeah. joel corral yeah yeah, Joel Corral designed uh, this beautiful Selena Tifo for Hispanic Heritage Month, and uh, it was it was amazing. If I don't, if you're listening to this, I surely you've seen it by now. But uh, if you haven't, take a look at it. There's a million videos and pictures, including on the Moon Tower Soccer accounts. We Jeremiah and I were both able to get kind of different angles from the seats we were in. Um, but Joel did an amazing job. It's it said somos del equipo de la cinco doce. We're we're from the team from the five one two, and it it's a Selena song that we kind of they kind of adapted to to fit those lyrics, and it was just really beautiful. And then I I actually went me and Ashley went and helped paint one day, and I got to paint the green part that was like adjacent to Selena's butt, and to paint the like 
a background for Selena's butt is one of the greatest honors of my <laughs> life. It was, it was, uh, yeah, truly touching, but, uh, it was, it looked awesome. It was so good. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's all the pregame stuff. I think we can jump into the game now. So whenever that lineup came out, like they don't, they don't give you the actual positions of everyone. So I had no idea where anybody was going to be playing. My guess was a 4-2-3-1 with Diego and Danny playing as a double pivot in the middle with Cecilio on the left, Driussi at the 10, Pochettino on the right, Gite up top. Uh, I got it mostly right, <laughs> but Pochettino ended up playing in the double pivot next to Danny, which... Chris Bills had been tweeting about all week and asked Wolf about it in the press conference and was saying, like, maybe this is this is the way forward. Like, this is what needs to happen. And he looked great there. He was so good in that double pivot. And Danny Pereira had one of the best games, his best games of the season as well, in in that double pivot next to each other. So um, we'll talk about rotation and stuff going forward. But I I have been a Wolf defender or at least a wolf sympathizer throughout this season i will be mad at josh wolf if we see tomas pochettino play anywhere else going forward yeah he was yeah he did everything he needed to do and especially i feel like in the first half there were plenty of opportunities that he just shut down yeah and he played he played aggressive you know and he and he he, was, he ran a ton and i thought it was one of the things that was interesting in the post-game press conference that i picked up on is you know josh had a lot of praise about him and one of the things he did talk about was how disciplined Pochettino was yeah. in this match, which is obviously very different from was it the week before. Or two, I mean, a, yeah, the yeah, week before, before and then a few times throughout yeah. the season where he straight yeah. up said, like, Tocho's not doing what he's supposed to. And then I had and, I, I read some on Twitter people saying that they saw him like directing the, like from the back too. And I didn't pick up on that, but I didn't pay that much attention to it, that he was like, you know, he's playing aggressively and then also being like that guiding force in between the the back line and the midfield. And just looked very comfortable as well. Um, looked really comfortable. I, one thing I would kind of want to get into, which is I think I'm pretty bad at this, where I see something enough times, I just kind of take it for granted and assume everyone else is seeing the same thing that I'm seeing or knows the things that I'm thinking already. But Austin's defensive shape, um, we've been attacking in a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 for most of the season. But in defense for most of the season, I think early on we were still defending in a 4-3-3, but for most of the season we've been defending in a 4-4-2. And uh, Pochettino and and Pereira, who I I, I wouldn't have guessed that those two in the midfield would have been able to stop – Dos Santos and Ravelison, the two Galaxy midfielders, I would have guessed that those midfielders would have marched right through those guys. They did a great job of kind of shutting them down. So uh, they they did really well. Yeah, so uh, early on, I guess we, we can go from the lineup there. So early on in the match, I mean, LA Galaxy put up, there was a lot of pressure uh, on, especially early in the match. And I don't, rem- yeah. I don't remember where it was, but pretty early, Chicharito had a really good opportunity and Bradley Stuver, who had, I feel like his best game in months, um, really made an early statement and, and got on a ball. It was on Chicharito's foot that, that preserved the, the nil nil tie at the time. Yeah. Uh, LA did a good job of kind of 
chipping balls in over our back line and guys were making good little runs and yeah Stuver did made some really some really smart plays there was one specifically that was in the first half where Legette gets in behind and somebody chips the ball into Legette Legette jumps up in the air and has his foot extended and he kind of tries to lay the ball off to Chicharito and in that moment, Stuver is kind of like facing up to Legette, and as soon as he touches it, he dives out and snags the ball out of the air. And just to have the 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 wherewithal and the awareness to to know like that was what was going to happen, and I'm going to bait it and then go for the ball. Like he was great. I think there was one mistake where he kind of spilled the ball in front of goal in the second half, and Cascante was able to get to it and clear it. But aside from that, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, he he had a he had a really good match, and then he also uh, saved a kid. Uh, did, you see, did, you see, <laughs> did you see that yeah. at the end? Yeah, that Brit- was it. Brittany Flowers that yes tweeted about that. She said Bradley Stuber says, "Please don't arrest this kid." <laughs> yeah, and I did notice that when it was going on, I was like, "There's a child on the field," and he like ran out to say hi to Stuber, and Stuber kind of grabbed him and waved off the security <laughs> guards and walked the kid back. And I think he gave the kid his towel too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sent, sent it back over the fence. So so good job by King Bradley, who had an amazing week all the way around. Uh, so going into halftime, my dad was still sitting with me. He didn't go down to the supporter section. He asked, would you take a draw at this point? And I said, absolutely, because <laughs> Elliot had too many good chances. And we we didn't look bad ourselves. It was It was a really fun game. It was kind of back and forth and a lot of action going on. But... Um, I, I told him, yeah, I, I take a draw right now. Cause there was too many good chances for LA. Like it didn't feel like we were going to be able to keep them from scoring at that point in time. And in the second half, I mean, we, we ended up closing it out and we did keep them from scoring. I think LA probably could have been a bit more clinical and maybe should have finished some of those. But again, Stuber had a good game. Uh, defenders had a, Overall, pretty good game. I still have a few complaints about that, which we can get into a bit later. But um, but yeah, then the two goals came. So 64th minute, Musajite uh, scores off a rebound off of his own shot. The I think one of the most impressive parts of that goal was him receiving the ball. I don't, was it Driussi who played the ball into him? Like Diego kind of pinged a ball in as he was running in and he didn't control it very well and it popped up in the air. It falls back to Diego. I think he played it to Driussi who plays it back into Jite's feet and the ball just sticks to it like a magnet. And he he takes like receives the ball and at the same time turns towards goal, takes one touch and just blasts it. And he he hits the ball so hard. And so all the keeper can do is just get his body in the way. And so... It hits off of his hands, ricochets back out into the box, and Jite follows up. I was gonna say on that, like, because I, uh, I just rewatched that a little while ago. Like his movement to get from, it's, it was it was a quick little move because it wasn't it didn't bounce like straight back to him. Like it spilled out, and he made he made a little kind of left hand turn and like back around the middle to get to the ball, which again was like incredible to see. Yeah, and then a really clean finish. Side foots it. It was a hard side foot, but a side foot into the top corner and the keeper had no chance. But talking about his movement to receive that, that ball from Jite. So he received the ball from Diego and it pops up into the air. As it goes to Jite, he starts making a run into the box. And as the defender goes, he checks, 
he takes one step to the box, the defender goes and he just checks back into the space that is left behind. And that's when Jerusi finds him. And so just those little slight movements and on the other side of the field was Chicharito, who's the king of those things, right? Like Chicharito is not an amazing athlete, not all that fast, but he's moved so smart. And whenever he gets, he gets the ball in those positions, he usually doesn't miss. And Jite showed some of those characteristics, just subtle little movements, knowing exactly where to be, the ability to turn and get that shot off initially, and then to follow up his own shot and have that nose for where the ball was going to fall and to, to get that second shot off was extremely encouraging. And I was uh, very happy to see him get that goal and then also just excited for what else he can do for this team. And that was one of the loudest times I've ever been inside Q2 Stadium, I think, was when that goal went yeah. in. Because there was a lot of... There's a lot of pent up excitement, you know, and a lot of, of because of GTA, because of the streak, because of kind of how the game had gone. And I mean, people blew the roof off the place when that ball went in. Yeah, that was I agree. I think that might have been the loudest, the loudest I've ever heard it. Um, so I, I want to ask about so speaking of Chicharito. So we had this free kick like four minutes later uh, that Austin had and Chicharito's laying on the ground behind the little line. <laughs> That the uh, that the referee had drawn. So explain to people who may not understand why there's a wall and a man laying on the ground behind the wall. Why why yeah. did he do that? Yeah. So you have your wall standing there, like the keeper, especially that close. You'll have four or five guys in the wall normally. The keeper will position that wall where he wants it to give give him the most coverage, and he can be in a strategic spot to say like, okay, if you're going to score in the goal behind the wall, you're going to have to get it up and over that wall. So often the wall will jump. You see occasionally, well, if guys scout or they just maybe uh, guess lucky, they'll know that wall is going to jump or will bet on the fact that that wall is going to jump and they'll just play it on the ground and play it under the wall and you have a wide open goal behind them because the keeper is usually cheating to the other side. So you see more and more in the last couple of years, teams will have a guy just lay down behind the wall there. And I think it's, kind of cool that Chicharito's enough of a team player that he's like, I'll be, the, be guy the guy who lays yeah. down. <laughs> I guess it's better than taking like taking one off the face, but um but yeah, that's why he was doing it. But they were they were clearly doing it too close to the ball, which it took like a minute and a half to finally get that free kick off that ended up not being anything. But uh, th- there were there were two other things I liked about that free kick. One is I don't know what Cecilio's hair was doing the whole night, but Cecilio <laughs> was the one. Like he's got braids of some sort now. Maybe I haven't yeah, seen there's it in like a while. The the braids themselves look pretty cool. I I'm I'm a fan of the braid bit, but then it looks like maybe to get the braids he had to straighten his hair, and he still just had like this wispy weird ponytail hanging out the back. And we're used to seeing like Cecilio's mane flowing back there, right? And so. The braids get a thumbs up for me. The weird little ponytail, two thumbs Thumb, down. Two thumbs down. Yeah, because he was the one. He was, I think maybe Pochettino moved the ball or something, and Cecilia was the one that kept going back and forth and making sure that Chicharito was, Chicharito was laying like far enough away from the spot to be. And then the other one is you could hear like uh, Ray Costello on his birthday, like talking trash to the keeper um, <laughs> through his that. megaphone. Yeah, if you listen, if you rewatch the broadcast, you can hear Ray like yelling at the keeper to like look at him and like just all kinds of stuff the whole minute because. The whole the whole thing's kind of quiet, so I appreciated that moment too. Oh, Ray! If, listeners, if you don't know who Ray is, if you've ever heard on a broadcaster in the stadium the ba ba ba, that's Ray. Every time it's Ray, and you can hear it throughout the stadium, and it's amazing. Um, so not long after that goal, I want to say around this, 
Well, it was not long after that goal, Jite ends up coming off, right? Do you remember what minute that was? Yeah, that was uh, 70, it was 72 and 73. Uh, it was uh, Gaines and Gallagher come on, Jite and Cecilio come off, right? Correct. That, those, yeah. and th- those are the first subs, and... You know, Josh Wolf became a subbing genius too. You know, to, because they worked out. You know, tonight because those, yeah. those are not tonight, but that night. But those are the only subs too, if I remember right. Is that correct? I think so. If there was another one, it was very late. But I kind of think those were the only two the whole game. Yes, yeah, so they come on at seventy two and seventy three, and then we get to see some uh, McKenzie Gaines action. Yeah. So uh, Driusi has the ball out wide, and I think it was Koulibaly, one of their center backs, is putting a lot of pressure on him. He ends up kind of losing the ball, but gets enough of a toe to kind of poke it out to the wing. Lima is rushing up that right side and is able to get on the end of it. So Lima rushes in. He puts a hard ball in to the box where um, I think maybe Diego had made a run, like a hard run at goal, which kind of opened up some space at the top of the box. And Gaines just kind of sat into that space. And so the ball arrives to him. He... Uh, he receives it, but the ball was hit really hard. And so it I don't want to say it was like a perfect touch, but he did, I think, as as good as you could have asked him to because the ball popped. Instead of like popping, like bouncing straight back to where it came from or flying out, it kind of popped straight up and ended up setting up for a perfect volley for himself. And so he just turns and blasts it. And it goes more or less over the keeper's head. The keeper, it, so you know it, it's hit hard if it goes over the keeper's head and still goes in the keeper gets a hand on it above his head and it just pushes the keeper's hand back and still goes in. And so I didn't realize how good of a goal this was in the moment. And I had to watch it back later that night as I got home and I was like, Whoa, that was a great goal. I kind of thought it was like, um, I didn't realize like he kind of set it up to himself. I thought a defender had like had, uh, gotten a foot to it or something. And he was able to just kind of finish it in from there. That kind of, kind of a, a trash can goal. But it was a great finish. Yeah, and his turn on that ball, I mean, was was beautiful. I mean, there's maybe there's something in this local boy done good McKenzie Gaines thing. Yeah, so he ended up, uh, like you said, currently in the lead. I think on MLS Goal of the Week. And uh, between those guys, and Gta was he on the like bench for MLS Team of the Week or something too? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he made was, the bench. Yeah, he's he made the bench, so it's the man of the match. So yeah, it was definitely a uh, maybe shows what can happen when we have a real number nine and something of a forward backing him up. Cause I cannot imagine Manny Perez making the play that McKenzie Gaines did um, on, on that ball in the second half. Yeah. Um, let's get into some of the individual performances. We kind of talked a little bit about some of these. So Pochettino at the six, uh, is there anything else we need to say about that? Or have we covered most of it? No, I, th- I think you covered it in saying he needs to play there forever. <laughs> that yeah. he, he, he was good. And I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Somebody found some like advanced stat on, Basically, like, was it Chris Bills? Was like it was Chris Bills from Total, total uh, Goals created, yeah. American Soccer Analysis. I, wait, oh, I can't remember what that that is called, but uh, Analysis Evolved is the Twitter handle. But they do all kinds of weird stats. And was it interrupting? Is that yeah, what? Goals, yeah, goals interrupted is what is what you done. I think that that that, that yeah it talked about the effect you have on preventing goals. And so among the he had the total, like the highest total X goal performance on the club, but it was largely because of goals interrupted. Uh, you know, so just again, he he was almost perfect on the night. Yeah. Um, and Gta, we talked about how good he was, but I kind of want to talk about what he's like, what he is so good at. 
And so you've seen the man, you know how big he is. We've not had anybody on the team with that kind of frame to be able to do like real hold up play, to be able to like have a defender on his back. You just like fizz the ball at his feet and it just sticks to him. And he's strong enough and, and has the like a good enough touch to be able to do that. And Jite did this over and over and over last night. And so several times where the ball would fall to him or he would, it would get popped up into the air and he would be able to just kind of push a defender out of the way or hold up a defender on his back and kind of run backwards with the ball until someone else was able to break open and, and he could spring them with a pass. But doing that was really, really good. His passing was really good. Uh, just like vision to be able to, to drop in, hold up a ball and then uh, hit a cross field pass or to, um, to find a guy, uh, just just things that Cecilio was wasn't able to do as well in, in those moments, and uh, guys who were playing before Gallagher was surely wasn't going to do those things. But um, and then one thing that we still haven't gotten to see a lot of, but on the first shot that he took, his ability to to turn quickly and hit the ball hard. He's got a cannon. He hits the ball so hard. And I can't wait until he scores one of those from outside and get to see the the back of the net fly back as the ball hits it. That's going to be amazing the first time that happens. Yeah, and he works really hard too. I mean, for for a nine, he was it seems like he runs a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he was definitely useful in the press and and did some tracking back when he needed to. So and then also uh, he's so I wouldn't call him a speed demon. He's not hugely fast i think once he gets to running he's he's not slow by any means he can move pretty quickly but um just knowing when to run and where to run and the ability to kind of like hold the defender off as the ball's coming there was a few times in transition where he was really dangerous and was it provided that outlet when we needed it and was able to to at least hold it up for a little bit until someone else was there but um yeah i I love how he plays and it's just amazing how much different Austin FC looks with him on the field. Yeah. Yeah. He and juicy have really, I mean, maybe all those things that Claudia, that Claudia said that we, you know, that we believed about, you know, waiting and finding the spots that need to be filled and getting the right players have come to pass, you know, and, and it's, obviously it's a little bit late for, for much to happen this year. Um, unless they go on a crazy run, but, uh, you know, I feel encouraged with, the talent they've added over the summer about where we set up going into 2022. Yeah. So one more player that I want to touch on just a little bit is McKenzie Gaines. So I've seen some people already saying like, okay, now that we have two, like two solid strikers, then like what else needs to like, and I was like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Is McKenzie Gaines, like, do we know that he is definitely like, a solid striker. Like, do you, do you feel like we saw enough of that the other night to know that he's an excellent second option behind GT? No, we don't even know if he's a striker. I mean, I think that was one of the things that <laughs> that was one it was on the press conference, maybe today, or maybe it was, I think it was today's, uh, that somebody asked, uh, when somebody asked about him, it's like, yeah, he's versatile and he can play in a lot of places. He's a forward for sure. But I don't feel like I would not feel great. Like if, you know, we were going to talk about squad rotation. If, Mackenzie Gaines was our number nine for 90 minutes. Like, I don't feel like that is a particularly threatening lineup in a way that is if we get Musa Jite for most or all of the game. Yeah. I, and it's not that I don't, that I don't, I don't, I, I just don't know. Like, we didn't see enough. I watched the game back this afternoon 
and he didn't really do a lot. Like he wasn't very involved. Whenever him and Gallagher came on, their main role was just to run a lot and to be a nuisance to LA as they're trying to play out of the back. And they were great at that. They did an excellent job at that. But in the beginning of a game, when you're not up two nil, it's not necessarily all you need your striker to do. So uh, the goal was amazing, very promising. I hope he can do that more, but I don't, I haven't seen enough for me to be completely comfortable that if GTA can't go for whatever reason that, Oh, don't worry. Gaines is going to step in and do it I, again. I hope he can. I just haven't seen enough to have faith that he will. Yeah, I would, I feel the same uh, about him. And I, so let's talk about the stats. Why let's talk about possession. I guess let's just talk about the way we played. Right, because you know, usually we're a possession-based team, right? We almost always win the possession game, and early when the game was nil-nil, we were, I believe, we were ahead in possession for a little bit, and we ended up. I think LA ended up like sixty forty to Austin, and that's so. It's really two games in a row where we've scored a bunch of goals and been most dangerous when we're behind on possession. Yeah, and I don't know that we are ever ahead in possession in this game. I think we were behind the whole game, and what was it? It was sixty forty at the end of the game. You it was sixty forty at the end. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, I think a little bit was LA kind of forced our hand in that, but we are also just being a bit more direct and direct, it's relative, more direct than we normally play. We weren't just lumping balls long and bouncing them off of Moose's head, hoping to to win a second ball. It was still a bit more sophisticated than that, but there were times when you would you would maybe see us play a ball backwards and instead we're like playing a one, like a first touch pass in behind the left back for a guy running on. And I think it was the movement was, was there and guys were just running where they were supposed to be. The chemistry was there. You saw uh, Danny and Pochettino just kind of always kind of floating around each other and being outlets for each other. And then the runs in behind from, uh, from Diego, from Cecilio, uh, and then GTA dropping in and being able to hold up the hold up balls and being an option whenever there wasn't any others. Uh, they were just moving really well, and it was allowing us to just play a little faster than we normally would or normally try to. Yeah, that was the thing I noticed is the faster. Even even when we would move the ball around the back a bit, you know, it was there was less like a guy standing around with a ball on his foot, kind of waiting on people to move, and it was there was seemed like there was more direct action in the way we played. Uh, on Sunday night than we have before for a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, yeah, a guy we didn't mention was Danny Pereira and he was, he was excellent. Um, just dribbling the ball. I feel like Pochettino did a bit more of the kind of more like basics, just like playing clean balls, winning tackles, things like that. Danny was showing some, some sauce out there. It was like dribbling guys and getting past dudes and, was creating options and creating space and creating dangerous moments by carrying the ball, which is a thing he's really good at. But uh, I think, yeah, I think against LA was maybe his, his best game of the entire season. Yeah. They were really good together. So do you feel like there's anything specific to the, the way that LA galaxy plays that leads to that? Or did we just really have a great game all the way around? I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't notice them like necessarily even being deficient in any area because they have a good midfield. Um, 
and I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what it was. And I, I, I think a lot of it was just Austin playing really well and just kind of being really connected in the things they were trying to do. We should take more of that in, in the future. I think if we, could just, <laughs> if we could just replicate this game. And I do think Stuver, you know, early on, the way we, the way we withstood the pressure and um, the, a couple of those plays he made early on were really helpful in that, like, we didn't get the goal that put us behind, that left us trying to chase the game and playing the way that we were going to play. And then the center backs, they, they, they never really seemed... Like, we did not get that mistake that we've seen out of either Romagna or Cascante that we have sometimes. You know, they they played... They they did well under pressure. They sort of played their game. You know, they, they stayed in good spaces. They made good decisions. I mean, we did miss, a, like, Romagna's lumbering runs up the field, you know, behind, which I love, but probably aren't tactically great. But they, I thought they had really solid games, too. Yeah, so this is... I re- hinted at this before, but I still feel like Romagna, he kind of switches off at moments. And some of those runs in behind that led to to some, like close distance shots on goal that Stuver ended up uh, ended up saving. I think a few of those are on Romagna. Romagna could have at least given a bit more grief to the guys that were running through there. But I think that's the biggest part of his game. He's If he's locked on with a guy one-on-one, the guy has the ball, he's a beast. He's as good as, as anybody in the league in that moment just like bullying a guy trying to take the ball off of him when he's backside and it's having to track runners, uh, the ball's moving away from the field. That's when he kind of switches off. And that was my biggest fear in this game with a guy like Chicharito on the field who moves so well, uh, on the, in those moments where Romagna's backside with Chicharito on his shoulder. Um, and there were a few moments that it, it could have cost us and it ended up not just because of, a, maybe a combination of lack of execution by LA and a uh, good performance from Stuver that it didn't cost us. But there's that still that, that small deficiency, not even small. It's a pretty big deficiency in Romagna's game that he's getting better at, um, but it's still there and it, it will likely cost us more goals going forward. I'm just hoping that he can, he can improve that part because if he can improve that part of his game, he will be a monster. He's going to be so good in this league. Yeah. He's yeah. And he's so young. I mean, he's, you, you would think, I mean, he's young in the league. I mean, he's pretty young overall too, especially for a central defender. Yeah. So just you think that 23, is that right? 23. Yeah. So you think that's a kind of stuff he can work on. So, um, all right. So week ahead, we got two games. We still have no Beasler. Do you want to, we had okay, so Nick Martin, Twitter fan and friend, uh, you know, who's always gives us a hard time about not mentioning them, although him, although he doesn't like ever send anything, has now become our concussion expert, I think. So he gave us some info on sort of Beesler and concussion protocol and where we might be. Yeah, it was so actually Nick, helpful this week. For, for background, Nick coaches high school soccer, right? He so does, yes. He he has a little bit of background with concussion protocol. And so he was saying for high school at least. Uh, it's essentially, there's no like normal timeline. It's, it's individual basis. And so you need to get a clearance from a doctor to even start doing any activity. And then once you get that clearance, you start off essentially on an exercise bike for an hour. You do that, you check for symptoms and then that's it. You don't push yourself any harder. And it's just this very slow progression back up to full steam ahead. And, uh, 
and, and I think even it, that that part of it can take a long time, and there's no there's no real like tape measure you can use on it. It's just individual basis, and you just kind of have to play it by ear. Yeah, the other thing that he said was like, and then if you fail, you kind of start all over again. And I feel like we heard a little bit of that in the uh, Wolf press conference today when talking about Beasler, but to basically say for sure not Wednesday and quite likely not Saturday also, which leads me to believe that he's not progressed super far along in terms of the things you need to do to make it through concussion protocol. So now that we know a little bit more about Beasler being out and know that we have a game with three games in seven days where we need to sort of speculate on lineups and preview those before, but before that, let's go ahead and take a break. Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll be back and talk about those rotations and then we'll also get to the, uh, the Colorado and RSL previews. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FBF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FBF.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FBF.law. All right, it's time to talk about hot sauce. Let's do it. Teardrop Pepper Company hot sauce is the hot sauce that we're going to talk about because that's the hot sauce we talk about. Teardrop has finally created the perfect recipe right here in Austin, Texas. Their all-natural award-winning hot sauce has a delicious blend of flavor and heat, enhancing your favorite foods and leaving you wanting more. Whether you like the zesty kick of Golden Habanero or garlicky smoothness of Supreme Serrano, it's the best way to spice up your Austin FC pre-match meals. Teardrop Pepper Company has two unique flavors, and you can order them from their website, teardroppepperco.com, or from their social media pages. And my, I told you a couple of weeks ago that my parents were here for a game then, and my dad got to try some of the hot sauce, and he, he likes spicy food, and so he tried them. He ended up ordering himself some, uh, some of the Golden Habanero. And my mom called me the other day and told him, like, oh, we ordered some hot sauce, and we already got confirmation that it's shipping. It's gonna be here super fast. And then she realized that she forgot to use the offer code for us. And oh, so no. I was like, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you ordered it, but we're not going to get credit for it. <laughs> so she, she followed up and sent uh, an email to, to the folks over at Teardrop and let them know, like, I don't care about the discount, but I want you to know that I'm ordering this <laughs> because of Moon Tower Soccer. So thank you. Thank you, Phil and Cindy, my, my dear parents, for, uh, for doing that because... That's how Teardrop knows that these ads are working and that people are buying more hot sauce because of our endorsement of them. So That's if great. you would like to buy some of this this wonderful hot sauce, you can uh, use the code GOAL, G-O-A-L, and save 10% off your order. And that's either at teardroppepperco.com or on their social media pages. You can put it on everything because they'll make more. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about some of the rotation that Josh Wolf is going to have to do over the next week with uh, two games coming up, a game on Wednesday, a game on Saturday. Let's let's start on the back line. So without Beasler, we don't think Beasler is going to be available for either of these games. Who are we going to see on the back line? Well, we've seen a whole lot of Cascate and Romagna, and I think we have to expect some amount of rotation there either you know either for Wednesday or Saturday I mean then we've got 
three kind of choices for those spots. We've got Freddie Kleeman, um, and I don't remember if he started a game or not yet. But uh, I don't think he started a single game. He's yeah. come in for pretty limited minutes up to this point, and only a, a couple of times really. Yeah, so we haven't seen a ton of him. And the other ones are people who are not naturally center backs, but are skilled defenders. Um, and that's Alex Ring and um, Nick Lima. So did did what Wolf mentioned them as one point as possibilities to play center back? It was in the, the midweek press conference last week. So leading up to the LA Galaxy game, he was talking about the rotation that was gonna he was going to have to do for this week. And he did mention them by name. He was like, yeah, we've got Freddie on the bench who um, like – kind of said like didn't outright say it but kind of said like maybe Kleeman's not ready to go like right now just because of the step step up in from college into this game like he it was clear to me that he didn't really think that that Kleeman is ready to do that at this point uh but then mentioned Alex Ring and Nick Lima by name as people who might have to get minutes at center back depending on on what the the two main guys can do but he did say like Johan and Julio can't play 90 minutes three times in seven days. Like it can't happen. So somebody else is going to have to get some minutes there and we'll just kind of have to see who the, those are going to be, but we might get to see some, some non center backs playing center backs at some point in the next few days. And we've seen a little bit of Nick Lima there for at least a few minutes already. Right. I mean, I feel like yeah. he'd, he'd be a decent, I feel like he'd be a pretty good center back. Honestly. I do too. Yeah. He's, he's not the tallest, but uh, he's a really good athlete. He's strong. He jumps well. So I think there might be just some positional things that he wouldn't be used to just because he's not playing there a lot. But honestly, I think um, in a in a different team with the, like some different players, I think Lima could be a really strong player as uh, like the right center back in a back three and like kind of being able to push forward a little bit and and still carry the ball. But he's he's got the speed. He's got the strength to still track back and be a really good defender. So um i yeah i i would be just concerned about him being used to playing there uh but as far as the skill set i think he would he would be just fine where so where else do we think we're gonna have to see rotation uh i mean the looking up front we're gonna have to rotate some of those guys as well so let's talk about in the midfield that that double pivot so we can't play pochettino and Pereira 90 minutes every game either but we also have Alex Ring coming back from his red card suspension and so who do you think like what are the different combinations you think we could see in those two spots and that's where I just I don't see Ring being like a reasonable option at center back because of that because you need rotation in a lot of places this is what we talk about with Alex Ring a lot right is he can do so many things and we have a lot of a lot of gaps that 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 we cover so I would think my guess is on Wednesday, Ring comes back and Ring starts. He plays, plays the, plays with Pochettino and Danny Pereira gets Wednesday off, and then then Pereira starts the game on Saturday. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I I think we're gonna see some kind of combination of that with with Alex Ring probably getting a lot of minutes in these next two games and rotating, uh, Pereira and Pochettino in the other spot next to him just because they did play. I think they played ninety the other night right they did. so yep um yeah so to give them some rest and then they can sub on for each other and you're still kind of getting that continuity playing in that same spot but you have a fresh ring coming back who can step in to the other spot there and then then that takes us to the forwards uh so who do you think's most likely to 
to to see some time to rotate out there, I guess, you know, from among the guys who, who normally start. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I don't feel too bad about that area. I mean, I feel pretty good about Gallagher. Uh, his, his last few performances have been pretty strong, so I wouldn't f- be mad about him starting either for uh, for Diego or Cecilio in one of these upcoming games. Uh, and even if he doesn't play, if he plays 60 and they put on one of the other guys, I think he can do a good enough job to fill that gap. Um, one of the spots I am a little concerned about is for Juicy. Uh, we don't have another player who does what he does and haven't really played anybody else as an, like a true 10 for the rest of the season, really. I think we saw Pochettino there a little bit, but whenever we haven't had him on the field, it's mostly been like a 4-3-3 without a real 10 there. So that's the one spot I don't really know what they're going to do. Yeah, that that one's going to be definitely tough. Yeah, I don't know what GTA looks like when he's got Cecilio and Diego beside him or, you know, or Gallagher or whatever that combination looks like. And you'd think we might see a little more Jared Stroud over this week too because he hasn't played a ton lately. Um, I don't see him starting, but, I mean, he's got you know, run at guys and cause trouble late in games, you know, ability that I, that I think he could bring to the table and, and help out a little bit. Yeah, I feel like with the increased depth up top, a lot of times it's going to be like a Stroud or Gallagher option. And for me, I'm choosing Gallagher every time in that in that scenario. And I, from what we've seen lately, I kind of feel like Wolf, <laughs> Josh Wolf feels is too. the same way. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I I would imagine Stroud might get some minutes in these next couple of games, even if it's just at the end, to kind of be that boost of energy. But um, I think Gallagher is just a little bit more technical than he is and, and is a little bit more dangerous going forward, whereas Stroud is a little bit one note in his attack. He's he's fast, works super hard, but he's he's got that early cross that has been dangerous at times over the season. But when it comes to dribbling or kind of taking guys on, he's – He's not really excelled at that throughout the season and, and where Gallagher has at times. So I think we might see him some, but I would imagine Gallagher to take more of those minutes than than him. And then I, I'd imagine with um, Gita is not going to be able to play 90 for these games, but I bet he can go 60 or 45 in both of these games. And that might be some an opportunity for McKenzie Gaines to come in and get some more minutes and, and maybe prove me wrong and say that show me that he is a viable option for a a solid second striker. Yeah. I think he's our only option up there at this point, other than Gallagher. Yeah. Yeah. Him (laughs) and Cecilio. Yeah. And we know Cecilio has not been great there. And I think he has better places on the field where he can contribute and where he's going to need to, because he's got, you know, he's got a pretty big minute load still too, even though he was one of the ones that came out, but I mean, he's got a, have somewhere on him after playing as many minutes as he as he has this year and all he over worked, the place. He worked really hard in that game the other night as well. The another thing about Wolf's defensive system in that four four two is um the fullbacks will stay pretty narrow when they can, which requires those wingers to to get back and cover the wide play. And that was something that kind of concerned me about having Cecilio there because he's he's shown at times this season that maybe he's he's uh like kind of hurt at the end of of end of games not being able to run as much as he is early in the games 
And he was great last night. He was sprinting back, had some really good defensive plays, and was putting in that work. I'd say there's one or two times that he got caught upfield and didn't really sprint all the way back. But the rest of the game, I thought he he did great and was working really hard. But he can't do that three games in a row. So, yeah, we're going to – it'll be interesting to see what Wolf does in those scenarios. And there are options, but um, I think they're not all amazing options. And managing that rotation is going to be really important to keep the optimal team on the field at all times. So let's talk about who we're going to play this week because um, we're looking at two Western Conference teams, uh, both sitting in playoff spots. Uh, the first one's on the road against the Colorado Rapids, who have, what did you say? They have not lost. They have not lost in 11 games, but they've drawn yeah. a lot of those, if that's right. Correct. Yeah, not 11 games without a loss, but I think six of them are maybe six draws in a row, something like that. A lot of draws. Yeah, five, it says five five draws out of their last six is where they are. But they're third they're third in the Western Conference, so they're um they don't seem to have a lot of firepower. They lead the league in they're, they're second in the league in clean sheets, um and second fewest uh, goals allowed over the season. So if this is going to sound kind of weird with them being the team that's in third, but I think if I had to like play sort of a rotational squad in one game and play our best eleven in the other, I'd almost like rotate the guys in here. In the, fir- in the first match, because Colorado doesn't seem as threatening offensively, and then you have them like, well-rested for the second match. Like, How do you approach? Would you approach it that way, or do you have a different idea? I don't know. I mean, these are two teams who somewhat embarrassed us the last time we <laughs> yeah. played them, right? So I don't think we should be taking either of them uh, for granted and thinking they're going to be easy. Uh yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. I think, honestly, I think you should maybe treat both of them the same and not, not like do a complete line change and say like this is the game we're gonna throw and this is the game we're gonna take seriously. I think, I think we have enough depth at this point that you can take both of them seriously and rotate enough guys and just if you're smart about that rotation, you can play a pretty strong lineup against both teams. So don't be Josh Wolf in Frisco, okay. Got yeah. it. <laughs> no, that's true. That's we were, we were talking about that earlier. Like the fact that our guys were rotating in, or Jimenez, Ring, um, Gallagher, and not uh, like Kakuta Mane and right. Um, it's just many like Perez. People, you know, like the quality of players we can rotate in, or guys that we're starting and have you know have started a lot of matches. Exactly. It's not just okay. Who is on the bench and has a pulse? Okay, you're up next. It's like it. Yeah, it's guys that we've intentionally started throughout the season that we have options to to come off the bench now which is it's not a luxury Josh Wolf has had for most of the season he's essentially just had to if somebody can run for more than 20 minutes okay you're on next and it he just didn't have any other options and it's yeah it's it's pretty nice to to have that depth at this point it is so that it's a fun stat the only uh match that the Rapids have lost at home all year was uh, to Austin FC back in April, Whoa. so that's maybe maybe something on the good side. But yeah, it's definitely going to be tough. I mean, they they play smart, um, you know, they're they're disciplined, they uh, they're they're playing well, so it will not be an easy match. Um, but we did we did not have a lot of hope going into the LA Galaxy uh, match either, given where they were playing. So maybe 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 we'll keep connecting and and keep keep playing a, 
above where we sit in the table. So tell us a little bit about uh, RSL. What can what, what have they been looking like recently? So RSL are seventh in the West. Uh, in the last five, they've won three and lost two. <clears throat> they got crushed 6-1 um, against Portland over the weekend. Um, so Crylock, I think I wrote his name down wrong. What's his name? Is it Demir? Uh, Demir Crylock. Demir yeah. Crylock is their leading scorer with 11 goals. So he's he's... Um, pretty pretty high up in the league. And we've played them only once, and we played them on August 14th. That's where Bobby Wood scored a goal and then kissed a baby in the stands that we later <laughs> right. learned was actually his baby was pretty great. Uh, and I think that was one of those games that was kind of a low point. But since then, they've had their coach leave, um, Freddy Juarez. And so like, tell the people where he went and what, what that story is. Yeah, so you would think that uh, a coach leaving the middle of the season means he was fired, but he actually... Uh, so it was kind of a, a, a row of dominoes falling. Uh, Atlanta United fired their coach. Seattle's assistant coach, uh, Gonzalo Pineda, I think, goes to Atlanta to take over that head coaching job. Um, Freddy Juarez, his contract is up at the end of the season, and they had not renewed it or told him what they were going to do with it this year. And so instead of waiting around to find out what this team who – has no owner uh, and not any real direction at this point, instead of waiting around to find out if he's going to get fired at the end of the season, he's like, "Uh, I'm just going to go be an assistant in Seattle and I'll see y'all later. (laughs) And so he leaves middle of the season to go uh, take an assistant job in Seattle. Uh, So that leaves Pablo Mastroini uh, as their interim coach, who was an assistant before, has never been a head coach before. And so... RSL, although not having a terrible season, is as an organization is a little bit rudderless right now. It seems. Yeah, and, yeah, and what I looked up right before. So, and they got Masterini from uh, Houston Dynamo in a very MLS move. They had to trade. I think it was Gam. I think they traded fifty thousand in Gam to get their to get an <laughs> assistant coach during the offseason. But I guess it was good that they did that. And you mentioned them not having an owner for so for the people who or new to MLS, this is like a saga that's been going on for a while. Do you have like a quick sketch of the Deloy Hansen? Oh, man. Um, as the story came out, apparently Deloy Hansen, who was the former owner of Rail Salt Lake, it turns out he was just like a massive bigot and racist. And apparently a lot of people in that organization knew that for a long time. And it just, the story... It's kind of like the like the whole Me Too movement. It was just like people were afraid of losing their jobs or having their careers ended by speaking out. And then finally that dam kind of broke and enough came out that MLS essentially said, you can't – because it's a single entity thing, right? Like you don't actually own your team. You, you buy the rights to operate a team. And so MLS, because of that, they can tell Deloy Hansen like, yeah, you don't get to own this team anymore. And so they – he gets to sell it and keep the profits of it. So he's going to be fine. Uh, but nobody has bought the team yet. And so they're essentially, I don't really know who's making decisions behind that. If somebody at the league is kind of pulling the strings there or what's happening, but RSL has been without an owner since before the season started, I believe. Yeah. He, so they, he sort of announced he was going to sell in September. And I think it was in January, the league actually took over the sale process and so he's not involved at all and they're they're hoping to have wrap it up this year but uh, you can see why it does seem odd that somebody would leave to go be an assistant coach but if you're going to be one seattle's a good place to do it and you can see with how much chaos rsl has why someone might want to do that 
All right. Uh, anything else on those games before we move on? No, let's go ahead and move on a little bit. I guess let's hear about your Academy experience uh, oh, yeah. this weekend, too. Yeah, so I went out to see the Academy again for the, the second week in a row. Uh, I watched the U17 team play, and then they actually – so the team they were playing was from Louisiana. I think it's TDP Elite, three letters Elite, but they're from Louisiana, and they have a U16 team. And so what they did is they split those two teams and actually – like the kids who would qualify for U16 uh, that didn't get a lot of time in the U17 game, they played them as well. But U17s uh, ended up winning 2-0. And then some of the lower, the the younger teams beat them like 7-0. I didn't, I didn't get to see those games. But uh, watching the U17s play, um, those kids are good, man. Like they're, they, they struggled to score a goal. I think both goals were later in the second half, but they are possessing the ball, just kind of passing around. They've got a few players that I would not be surprised to see uh, playing at Q2 in a couple of years. But I'm, they've, they're still just playing like some non-MLS club teams at this point. I'm very interested to see what they're going to look like once they start playing some of this MLS competition. And last year, they were keeping it all regional, so we really only got to see them against FC Dallas, uh, Houston, we saw them. San Antonio's Academy is strong. Solar in Dallas is strong. But a lot of the other teams were like smaller academies that aren't going to be as good a competition as MLS teams. This season, they're going to be playing against um, against a lot of other MLS teams. So they're going to play, uh, I know I, the crew, they're going to play St. Louis's new academy. They're going to be playing some of these these other established academies who have been around for years. And that's going to be the real test to see how good these players are how good this team is and so i can't wait for those games to start happening and and just to kind of get a gauge of where austin's academy stands right now well they're, they're off to good start so the the earlier the younger groups both won seven nil so it doesn't seem like that was terribly competitive either at 13 yeah. or 14 but from what you're saying i guess we probably shouldn't be surprised by that either so this is at least two weeks in a row you've been out there i don't know if you brought the bucket this time or not uh um, so they the the first week i was out there they weren't letting people inside the fence. And so the bucket was very helpful to get a better vantage point. This time they let us just inside the fence. And so I didn't take the bucket in there because honestly, mainly because I would have been standing on a slope the whole time and the bucket wouldn't have stood upright. But I did have it in the car just in case I needed it. <laughs> just in case you have any bucket related emergencies that broke out. <laughs> so I said, I mean, it's. So that that's at the performance center too, right? To go up to St. Correct. David's to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are yeah. You so make I actually, I actually after the 17s game, I went over to the uh, Palmer Field, which is the one that has the big stands next to it, and it's the turf field. And so they're running two games at the same time. And I went up to the corner of the stands, and uh, to my right is the turf field with the U14s playing. Over to my left, I could see the U16s playing on the grass field. And then straight ahead of me, I could see over the fence into the first team training session. And so it was really cool to see, like, just I, I posted this on, on Twitter the other day, but just two years ago, there was a handful of like 13 year olds, like 12 and 13 year olds. And those are the only players wearing Austin FC badges. And to, to be in that moment, standing in those stands to say, okay, we've got five or six different levels of academy playing games today. The first team is training right there for their game tomorrow. And just, it's amazing to see like how far it's come. And 
a little bit encouraging just to know that like we're in a rough patch with with the project right now, but the future is bright. There's there's going to be a lot more happening and and to see how good some of these kids look on the field. It's there there's going to be a lot more a lot more talent coming through and it's yeah, it's, it's encouraging to see. And we don't talk about those facilities a lot, but that's I mean that's cool too cuz when you were doing that also, you know, it was like you were you're at St. Stephen's or you're at like the Round Rock Performance Center or wherever. And I just, you know, for them, that's something that club did very intentionally, but for them to be like right there in that like amazing space, but also like training right next to the first team. I mean, that's gotta be a real advantage to the Academy. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the facility is beautiful and it's, I think it's cleverly built as well. So like standing uh, next to the grass field where the Academy trains, there's like a, like a breezeway that you can see through into the first team training pitch. And that part is like kind of walled off and like it's, they made it intentionally a little bit difficult to see into from anywhere else, but standing on the Academy pitch in the right spot, you can see through that breezeway and see the first team training over there. And so like, as the Academy kids come out of their locker rooms or whatever, if they, you turn right and you're going to the, like the Academy pitch. But if you look to your left, you see the first team training over there. And I think that's a pretty clever way of, of setting it up. It's gotta be, that's gotta be motivating for them. So I assume you'll probably go into more games. So we'll get more reports, uh, out of that. Um, yeah, and, I, I want to the advance. maybe have, uh, we'll talk to, talk to Mauricio and Ryan about this at Austin FC, but I, I think it'd be fun to have maybe a coach or someone from the Academy on and kind of give a, a state of the Academy at some point in the near future. Yeah, that, that would be great to hear. So I think you ready to wrap it up for the week. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, before we close, we want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we also want to remind you to pre-order a Moon Tower Soccer shirt. If you want one of those, you can go to moontowersoccer.com and find the store icon, or you can go to store.moontowersoccer.com and find it there. Uh, and again, $5 of every order is going to go to Creative Action. If you want to continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at LVAHero87 and at jbentley underscore ATX and then at Moon Tower Soccer, both on Twitter and Instagram. We'd also like to encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website. Uh, Jeremiah, what's what should folks look for at the Striker Texas? I think everybody should definitely read the two-part uh, Chris Bills interview that we mentioned earlier in the show uh, that he had with Josh Wolf and sort of get in the head of Josh Wolf. Um, I think if you did read it before the this weekend's game, read it again and see if like given the results, see if your impression of Josh Wolf's answers changed a little bit because I feel like feel like mine might have. Uh, but it's a it's a good piece, and again, support the Striker Texas and the journalism that they're doing. All right, well, thanks so much for listening. We will be back in one week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we will review the. Uh, Colorado and RSL matches and then cover any other news that happens. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around